On today's episode of Before You Kill Yourself, we have comedian Morgan J. Uh, Morgan J. and I, we go way back. We've been performing uh, on different various shows together uh, over the number of years. And uh, he's just, just a great guy to be around. And today we talk about how he, <clears throat> excuse me, how he manages his anxiety uh, and, and the source of that and how it started from his childhood. And we even get into how to be authentic. We hear so much about just be authentic, be yourself. And we talk about why it's so hard. We also talk about how to overcome um, and, and how to be authentic and how to show up and be present. We even talk about masturbation, muster, M-U-S-T-E-R. Don't get ahead of me, people, masturbation. I know, you're like, what is that? Well, you got to listen to the episode to find out what that is. It's, it's a very, uh, very fascinating term coined by Albert Ellis. Um, and then we get into his sleep routine, which is, which is incredible. But uh, at the end of it, we, you know, most of the conversation is, is talking about the feelings of, of, of loss and abandonment and, and how do we find hope on the other side of that and, and how he's coped and uh, he talks about going to therapy and, and what he's learned in his therapy session. So this, this episode is filled with a lot of, lot of nuggets. We, we cover a lot of ground. Uh, and like I said, if you yourself have considered therapy or coaching, go to thrivewithleo.com to work with yours truly one-on-one. Because uh, like I said, I've started this podcast for a reason. And uh, every day, you know, I'm, I'm going through the thick of it. My, me, myself, I, uh, I just had my... <laughs> my one-on-one online therapy session uh, this morning. So thank you for tuning in, uh, and uh, let's get into the episode. How long have you been doing stand-up? I did stand-up for, for, well, I mean, I've been doing stand-up. I did straight stand-up for six years, and then I switched to the guitar for another six years. And then this last year, before we went on you know, the quarantine break, uh, I was kind of bringing everything back together. So when I was doing a full hour, it was like, you know, 20 minutes of stand up and then 40 minutes of music kind of thing, kind of peppering it through. So I'm trying to evolve the act, always change and always growing, you know. Uh, oh, now, has that always been your mentality that to, to be always changing and growing? Or is that something that you is that a newly acquired? That's always been the that's always been the mentality. You know, I went to theater school at NYU and I think and I went to the Stella Adler studio for acting. And one of the things that they really hammer home is growth as an artist is synonymous with growth as a human being. And, you know, I think if you're somebody who is in any industry, I mean, specifically creatively, it's, you know, you, you, you you can be the best, right? You, you, you know, you can say, I want to be the best, but then let's say you are the best and then what, you know? So I think if you, if you change the phrase into like, well, I always want to be growing and changing, then you're never going to hit uh, a wall. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. It's, it's funny that you even mentioned playing guitar because uh, I was practicing guitar right before our podcast today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, th- also, this is a perfect time. Excuse me. I just had a little sip of uh, some water. But anyway, this is a, this is a perfect time to uh, do stuff you normally wouldn't do. You know, I was talking to a friend of mine. People, social, if you're somebody who uses social media as an influencer or a creator, uh, statistically, everybody's views and engagements are down like 20 to 30 percent at least. Um, and so it's a perfect time to, you know, like I'm taking this time to just put out content every week, um, trying it out, see what it's like, 
and I'm doing live stream shows. So that's how I'm using this time and learning how to do that sort of stuff, you know? And it's all skills that you can just take with you when things go back to normal. And how are you, like, do you have a routine? Do you have a morning routine? Like, uh, well, like, what's the first thing you usually do when you get out of bed in the morning? Normally for me, it is making some oatmeal with some banana and blueberries. And then uh, the, the, the three things that I usually have to do every day are I do some yoga, about 20 minutes of yoga, stretching in general, you know, um, meditate. And, uh, and every, like, other day I exercise. I do some sort of workout routine. Usually, that's normally what it is. Sometimes I don't have that luxury. Now we, we can do whatever we want, really, but um, that's what I normally do, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the yoga, the meditation, all those things that help ground us before we, we really get into our day. Uh, did, right. Did you, now, I, I, I believe that you struggled uh, struggled with anxiety and, yes. and bottle caps also, bottle caps and anxiety. Did I say bottle caps? No, 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 <laughs> I just heard the bottle cap flying or whatever. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I um, I didn't think uh, I had anxiety. I was raised by immigrants. You know, I have an immigrant mom. So I th- the word like depression or anxiety or any sort of mental, emotional thing, we weren't, wasn't really discussed in the house because if you have parents like that, they're always just like, go to work, work hard. You're be grateful life. You know, you live in, you live in America. This is great. Be, you know what I mean? So there's no conversation like, Oh, I'm, I'm sad. You know, I don't feel good today. It's like, well, you know what? My mom would be like, well, at least you don't live in this country where they don't have any feet. You know what I mean? Like people, you know, just like equating it. So, so now I'm learning that I do have anxiety and I've been going to therapy for consistently now for over, almost two years now. And, uh, it's been really helpful. The plus the meditate, cause I started meditating about three or four years ago every day. That was life changing. What kind so of meditation, meditation are you doing? This is mindfulness meditation. I just use this app called headspace. Um, you know, it, it started out with 10 minutes a day. Uh, and now I usually meditate about 30 minutes a day. Uh, and it's just like a little calming, after after doing it for a couple of years, you you just kind of like build your own practice and you do the things you want to do in the meditation, you know. Um, but it's been really really helpful. I don't even know who I was like five years ago. I could four or five years ago. I couldn't even even recognize that person. Why? Like, what was going on for you five years ago, and, and what's been the growth since then? I think overall, my thoughts were all over the place. Um, very I mean, much more. See, I used to think that overthinking something and second guessing or, you know, thinking about like, what if this, what if this happens, what if that happens was just something called overthinking. Right. And then my therapist was like, no, that's, that's kind of anxiety. That's anxiety. So I think the meditation has just helped with quieting my mind and, and, you know, just letting thoughts come and go be, don't resist don't resist those thoughts and don't be self judgment. Don't be self judgmental because everybody is going to deal with some, something on that level, you know? And yeah, I could definitely relate because I have immigrant parents also. Oh, wow. Okay. Where are your parents from? My, well, my mom is from Belize and mm-hmm. my dad is from Alabama. So he immigrated from the South to the North. Uh, <laughs> right. 
Which is which is which is a big jump. I mean, I don't know if you've been to no, the south, is. but it's a completely different country. Uh, uh, it's funny. I I, uh, I do colleges, and I I did uh, NACA South, and I got booked throughout the Bible Belt. So I went to Arkansas, Alabama, Tennessee, Georgia, and I mean Alabama was honestly. It's funny you say Alabama because Alabama was the the the. I was in Montgomery, and it was just felt so weird. It felt like the Civil War was in, it wasn't over down there. Just like a vibe down there that's. Kind of funky. I don't know, man. I don't. I didn't like it. Yeah, yeah. There's, they still haven't recovered from uh, from Abraham Lincoln's time for sure. Yeah, there's, it's crazy. there's been growth, but it, it's they. Man, we we have done them dirty. We have done the South dirty. That's why I call it the Dirty South, man. Because that's because you know that's where New York ships there. Not not to get sidetracked here, but no, New sorry. York would literally ship their trash. Uh, to the south and just like in 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 trains and just like leave it there. Really, I thought yeah. that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, okay, yeah. they would just wow. like they would just send all the trash down to the south and just just wow. it on the south. But that's I digress. So uh, it's so disrespectful. The disrespect. the disrespect, man. Who's the governor? Who's who's letting these trains in? First of all, oh. I have so many questions. But anyway, um, you talked about immigrant parents, and you know the the we. It's so often that you hear about adults saying uh, that their parents didn't validate their emotional experience. Um, my girlfriend is being so loud. She's she waited until I started. It's on the schedule. She waited until the podcast started <laughs> to throw things into the microwave. She let it beep, and then she pulled out chips. She has. She pulled out the biggest bag of chips. She pulled out all the things. She's gonna. She's gonna pull out those little those bubble wrap things. She's just gonna to pop pull out the, the bubble wrap things. Start popping pop the bubble wraps. Uh, I'm not editing this out either. This is all oh, staying in the don't. podcast. She, she's she's crunching up all. She's running water. She turned on a dishwasher. She's doing all the things. <laughs> she. <laughs> Usually she drinks a smoothie, which is very quiet. And now she's like, no, no, we're going to have chips and we're going to have, we're going to start the cappuccino machine. We're going to do all that. <laughs> um, hey, babe, but, is it cool if I make this smoothie with the Ninja Blender? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to do it. I'm going to put this engine on in the yeah, background. Yeah, she's going to, she's practicing her tap dance routine for later on. Mm. All the things. All, she's taking up the banjo all of a sudden. Uh, <laughs> the so you know no but getting back on track here you know it's so often that you hear about people who have immigrant parents or just parents in general that didn't validate their emotions that didn't validate their internal experiences of uh fear of sadness of anger of joy or, or whatever the emotion was and and so often comparing what you're going through to what other people are going through as if, yeah. as if that, as if you still don't feel what you're feeling, you know what I'm right. saying? It's like you, you lose a leg while well, he lost two legs. Yeah. But I, I but me, I still lost a leg and right. where, where, where do I, I mean, like when do we stop and say, Oh, that sucks. Yeah. It, it really be like that sometimes though. <laughs> it's, um, it's it's interesting that you know I, I'm literally in therapy learning how to just say I feel this way. Like sometimes when I'm feeling something, because like, I don't have any emotional vocabulary. You know, I didn't have anybody say to me like, 
Harry, it's okay to be upset. You know, like, so I, I, at one point back in October or November, my therapist gave me a, um, I Googled a emotion chart, a child's emotion chart, and I put it as the backdrop to my iPhone. So that way, you know, it probably had like 20 emotions on it, like with faces. So that way I could find a way to articulate the way I was feeling, you know? I also think it kind of does a disservice if you are in a personal a personal relationship and, you know, let's say your girlfriend or boyfriend comes to you and is like, yo, I'm upset about this. If you're somebody who's not in touch or ha- or you don't have a an, an emotional vocabulary, you don't even know how to have a discussion with them. So then you shut down, you don't have the conversation, you fight, you walk away, and then it ruins your relationship. So it's, it's, uh, it, it's kind of like this cycle that, it's hard to break. It's it's a, and it's a rewiring that you have to fix, you know. So it's been tough for me at least, you know. You know, I like that. I like that idea of, of starting off. You said you start off your uh, therapy sessions with "I feel," and and can you can you walk us through that? Like like uh, like here, you had one. Did you have one right before this or right after? I have one right after this. At, right after at three that. o'clock. Yeah. And so, what? I, I mean, if it's not too personal, like, what do you think? What What emotion do you think you're going to lead with? I feel good today. I'm going to say I feel good today. You know, I put out a piece of content today uh, that you know a really really funny comic that I admire. He shared it. I didn't even ask him to share. It. He saw it and was just like, "This is fucking funny," and he shared it, and uh, that was really nice. So that's a that's a good level of validation and you know it's just like i feel good about it so i feel happy and today i feel i can chill i could be chill today and enjoy the day now after you now when you say good because we both know good is not an emotion oh sure (laughs) so let's let's click through that you know i hear people say yeah how are you i'm good oh man that was bad oh bad is not an emotion either so, so, or fine, like, uh, so I'm content. Let's, let's, I'm happy and content. Whoa, happy and content. There we go. Yeah. Thank you for, thank you. You know what, Leo? Thank you for holding me accountable. That's right. <laughs> thank you for, honestly, thank you for holding me accountable. I appreciate that. Yeah, man. We all, we all let nothing slide over here. We're not letting my girlfriend's noise in the background slide. We're not going to let your, your emotions mm-hmm. of good slide. Nothing, nothing gets by Leo Flowers. <laughs> The now after you after you express your emotion and you lead with the emotion, what is there a step that comes next after that? Is there something that that you typically say or the therapist typically says? Is there is there like a, a, a another line after that? Yeah. So, you know, I think the biggest thing about therapy, you know, when I first started, I felt like I had to a get my money's worth. So what I would do is I would try to fill every moment with talking, you know? And also when I would hang out with people in general, my personal life, I felt like I had value if I was entertaining them. So the the example I always give, let's say you and I are in a car ride together. I feel like I need to continue a conversation in order to provide value to you in this moment in your life, you know? And I didn't realize like, you know, just being, being alive and being with somebody and spending time with them has value and there's no need to fill space with, with talking all the time. So with therapy, as we progress, there are times when I, I might just sit there for a minute, not saying anything. Cause I'm really trying to think about what I want to say and what is going to be important to say. 
Um, you know, we talk, we kind of just, I just kind of go through each week, kind of go through the events, um, of the previous week. Um, I just go through that and then we kind of work towards how I felt about it. What I might be messing up in my life. How can we change it? What are the patterns that, that I'm going, you know, so every, every session is a little bit different. Sometimes I don't really want to go to therapy because I feel like I'm having a good week and I'm like, I don't need to, cause I, I equate therapy with having being sad or being depressed or having to work through some something where it doesn't always have to be that, you know, talking to somebody, this is a longer answer than you probably wanted, but every session is a little bit different, you know? So, but we, I always, use, I always usually ask the therapist, what did he do over the last week? And cause I, I want, I like to make it a conversation. I, I always feel weird going there and being like, well, let me talk about me for an hour. And cause I'm important. I just, some, cause I still have this thing in my, my mind that therapy can be a little self-indulgent sometimes, you know, but got to get over that. Now I, I like that idea because, you know, when they talk about therapy, the, the most important thing is that you do feel a, uh, connection with your therapist. It's not just about finding a therapist with all the degrees and accolades and, uh, you know, they, they wrote some bestseller. Right. And, uh, we need that Robin things. Williams Goodwill Hunting vibe. Right. Absolutely. You want somebody who on some level feels like a, a friend, a buddy, somebody that you'd want to uh, actually spend time with uh, outside of of the session, or at least you just feel like they uh, they just are just tapped into you. You know, uh, yeah. on, on, so I completely understand the, the asking about their week and, and how are they feeling and, and things like that. My therapist has no problem sharing his life. <laughs> He's like, my wife is driving me nuts and the kids are running around the house. You know, like, I like that. I like that. <laughs> that, that makes them human, you know? Yeah, it absolutely does. And then I, I feel like, and then it, it kind of relaxes me. And then I, you know, I, I feel like I can talk more freely versus this being like some therapeutic antiseptic, um, you, you know, like there's like there's people on the other side of the wall watching us taking notes with a clipboard. You know what I right. mean? Right. Yeah. No, I do know what you mean. The uh, you know earlier you talked about uh, you know uh, being present and feeling the need to entertain people at all times. I think right. that uh, for a lot of people, a lot of listeners who feel overwhelmed and they, and they feel stressed, I, I think a lot of people uh, have that, um, that loop of needing to perform or feeling like they always have to be on. They have to be yes. doing something. They have to be productive. Um, you know, my, my therapist this morning called it the masturbation. Uh, mm. It's a toy. It's a toy. It's a coin. It's a term coined by Ab Albert Ellis, and masturbation is basically feeling like we must do something. Like, like you must respect me at all times. I must be working at all the times. I must like right. it's just this must must oh. must. It's just and and there are just no must in the world. There's nothing that you must do. Uh, people don't people don't have to treat you a certain way. I mean, we would like it. It would be great if everyone respected us. Uh, it would be great if we got uh, a promotion or uh, a pay raise. 100%. But, but nobody, nobody must do anything. Not you and not anybody else. Yeah, that's, a, that's the thing I think about a lot, actually. Cause, you know, right now during this uh, 
this quarantine, I've heard a lot of fellow comics post and even say that, you know, they feel this pressure to put content out. Um, now, I, I'm putting content out because I never really did. And I was like, well, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to perform live. So if you if you set an intention or a goal, where am I, where am I going with this? I, I, I do often feel like I have to be working all the time, especially like I lived in New York for, for six years, seven years. And everybody in New York is moving at such a fast pace. Everybody is hustling. So you kind of feel like if you're not doing something, you're falling behind. You know what I mean? Uh, I think there was a post, something, but, you know, we're in a quarantine. This is totally unprecedented right now. You don't have to do anything, really. Nobody expected these circumstances. So don't feel like you have to do something. You weren't prepared for this, you know? So you kind of got to be easier on yourself, especially right now. But I do get that that feel, the masturbation. Yeah, even even when I go out, if I go out to hang out with somebody, I tell myself, like, if I go to a party, because sometimes I'm like, I must go out to make life worthwhile and say yes to something and have a good time. So even when I go out, I'm like, you know what, Morgan, if you go out, you can always just go home. You don't have to, like, force yourself to have a good time there, you know? These little things you got to remind yourself, like, you don't have to do a certain way or be a certain way. Absolutely, because people are so in their heads anyway, and and focused 100%. on themselves. What you know, somebody's thinking, "Oh, I'm bloated." Other person's thinking, "Like, is this relationship going to last?" Other person's thinking about money. Like, everybody's yeah. in their heads anyway. So, and and you know, oftentimes we mistake uh, perception for reality. So it's like you said, like we 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 think that, oh man, if I go there, I'm going to be trapped. And it's mm-hmm. like, no, you could, you could literally walk in and then walk out, you know, like you don't yeah. have to stay anywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, an, it's, uh, I was just talking to a friend, a guy friend about how men, this might be like a, too much of a side note, but men have a tendency to sexualize many situations. Right. Uh, so like when you're hanging out with a girl, a lot. I mean, I think Neil Brennan has this joke he did in a special that was like, you know, men, they sexualize every situation. They could be in a hotel room and they hear a knock at the door and then they're like, OK, let's go. It's time. This is going to go down. Like they think, you know, so like if I were to go on a date now with somebody that like instead of back, because back in the day when I would go on dates, I'd be like, this has to end. We got to seal the deal. This is what it's all about. And now if I were to go on a date, it's different. It's like, you know. I don't have to, uh, we don't got to do anything. We might not, we don't have to kiss. Cause there was a, I guess what I'm getting at is like going back to perception, right? Uh, how do I say this? Where was I going with this? I like got on a tangent. It just made me think of something. You, you know, like you have value. It's it's all about self-worth and value. I think that's what it goes back to, honestly. And if like you grew up and you don't feel like you had that, you weren't taught to have inherent value and self-confidence and self-worth, it makes every other situation you go into a little bit, it makes it a little bit more of a struggle. Because sometimes you're with somebody who's so confident, who knows who they are, and then you're like, fuck, how do they, how do they figure this out? You know, where'd this come from? This, this, this total and utter confidence. I went, I went on a lot of places here, so I apologize. I no, just no, no, but, but I understand. But, but see, I think what happens is that we mistake somebody's uh, uh, identity confidence for being uh, uh, the, uh, like a more of a permanent confidence. Like, 
a lot of people are confident or are like situationally confident. Like they're confident at work. They're confident uh, playing sports. But then there are other situations where they have absolute zero confidence and they're nervous. I mean, you know, like yeah. a lot of comics, like they, they have this amazing stage presence. They can own the room. And, right. and then uh, you see them in a green room and they're just awkward or oh, at a party. Oh my and God. They're just yeah. like, you know, spilling mustard on their shirt, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, um, I'm actually finding through this quarantine that I'm kind of a, uh, introverted person, you know, I, I do well on stage. I feel confident on stage, but the whole, the socializing is always, um, tough for me because, especially in this industry, there's all this subtext. There's like, all right, I gotta be nice to them. Did I say, did I say hi in the right way? That wasn't thirsty. Did I, do I follow up? Do, do, will they look at this interaction as fake because they think I want something from them? So there's all these little things that are going on in your head in this industry when you're talking to people. So it's so hard to just be authentically yourself in these conversations sometimes. You know? I, I mean, what does that even mean? Uh, you know, you're, you're in therapy, and I'm sure you brought this up to your therapist before, like that idea of being authentically yourself. I, 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 what is that? I, like, I struggle with that of, you know, my, my therapist asked me to write down my uh, business needs, my five-year plan, uh, uh-huh. professional, and then personal needs. And I was like, I don't know what I need personally. I, I, you know, I'm still, you know, n- navigating Leo Flowers. So, like, what, what oh, have you oh, kind of, like, discovered as being, like, authentic? And what does that mean for you? Mm. The, fir- the, fir- the thing that comes to mind is, is being quiet, like, not talking as much. Uh, I got to be, like, it's so, it, like, I, I kind of like being quiet. You know, I used to talk all the, you know, if I could, now when somebody's in my car, you know, I have a friend of mine who, when we first started hanging out, I told him, I was like, you know, when we're in the car, I, I say this to everybody now, I say, don't feel like you got to talk. Don't feel like you need to hold a conversation. We could just be here listening to some music. This isn't, you know, so that feels by saying that I kind of say that for myself, you know, by saying that I don't have to. So being authentic means not forcing an outcome, a situation, an energy, you know? Uh, you know what it is? It's like it's like when you're in a group of people and you tell a joke and nobody hears it, and then you, you say it again to hopefully they hear it. Like, I used to do that. I don't do that anymore. Like, you don't need – you could just be there. Being there is enough. But it's still hard to it's still hard for that. It's still hard to 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 embody that. Just being there, being authentic, you know. All right, I need you to pick another chair that I, I could. Oh, is this chair? Slide. Is it? I think it's the chair. Or is it paper? What is it? Oh, it could it could be. Oh, it, oh, I see. I was rubbing something on the floor. I'll stop. That's what it uh, probably was. Probably picking it. All right. Um. Yeah. Did it know, stop? Oh yeah. Kanye West. Okay, Kanye Kanye West has this. Um. Uh, lyric, I forget what song it is, where he says, "My presence is the present." Uh huh. And you know, it, it it on the surface it sounds braggadocio, but he's saying basically what you're saying is like me being here is yeah. is the present. That's the value. I'm I'm bringing the value of me. Like 
uh, you know, a, a lot of times when we go to somebody's house, we feel this pressure to like bring a bottle of wine or a gift or something for the baby or whatever. And I mean, how old are you, Sam? I'm 33. All right. So, or Morgan, you're like you're 33 and you know, I'm 44. It's like you've accumulated so many experiences, stories, ideas, uh, thoughts that are so valuable that, that, that can help people in so many different ways that that is the gift. That is the present. Like you, yeah. the things that you've accumulated along your way uh, internally, that they're stored in your brain and all the different, all the different memories and, and laughs and joys and, 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 and times that you, you've been through and struggles and obstacles that, that people can learn from. And, and that's the press. It's like if, if somebody comes to my house and they bring me like a really cool present, but like, uh, they, uh, you know, just, they don't bring themselves, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, they, they didn't come to have fun or just right. be there with you. Yeah. Uh, we'll stay home. I like, stay I, home. If you don't want to be here, stay home. You know, I'd yeah. much rather because I think we all know that person who uh, like maybe they don't have a lot of money or a lot of material things, but we love to be around them because they're entertaining, yeah. they're present, they're 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 not childish, but they're childlike, and and, and right. so we love these people, and, and and people love them, and they just bring this, and they bring it, and that's that's what it is. It's an energy, like your energy yeah. is so much more valuable and so much more important than any gift that you can buy. Right. Right. And that's what mushrooms are for. You know, that's what mushrooms some, are for. <laughs> let's take some mushrooms and you vibe <laughs> out, you be present. <laughs> do, do, all right, so do you do like, what do you do? Mushrooms, drugs, anything to uh, assist with the yeah, anxiety? So I, I, t- I uh, took a Xanax for a little bit. Uh, I took Klonopin for a little bit, but pills really freak me out. Um, I just started taking this CBD gummy. It's like a little bit of THC and CBD, which before bed, which has been really incredible. Um, I do, I microdose occasionally. So I, I had one full mushroom trip about two years ago, which I felt was very, uh, transformative for me. Uh, very eye opening for me. And a lot of, Thing. Like it was, it was, I learned a lot from it. So from there, I, I just started um, microdosing every now and then, you know, take a little cap here, a little stem there. Nothing crazy. Only every couple, I haven't taken it in a while, but I have a, I have a lot in my possession at the moment, <laughs> but I have it just every once in a while. You know, I just don't want to take it right now because I'm not going anywhere. I'm like kind of stuck inside. So it doesn't feel right to take it and just be home, you know? Right, right. There's a, there's an experience. It's almost like you know uh, drinking over the kitchen sink. You, you know, by yourself. You're just like, oh, no, nah, I just should be done with in company. You know. Yeah, and, and I think the, the the for me the 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 mushrooms. What it does for me is it helps me be present. It helps tear down these little walls that I have. You know, when I had that full trip, I think the thing I that I that I felt the most was I felt free. I felt open. I felt this. I felt connected to to everything and everyone. And as I was coming back from it, or as the effects were going away, I could, I, I felt, and I started, I, this is so lame, but I started crying because I felt all these walls that I have in place, like around, like around my heart, you know, around my feelings, 
I could feel them coming back. And I, I was so upset because I was like, I don't want this. To, I don't want to feel this way again. I don't want these to come back. I wish I could feel this way all the time. But I think the benefit of it was I knew, now I know that. Now I have a baseline. And I know there is a, 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 there's actually a, a, an impediment in me. You know, There is a wall up. And it's big. So that, that's what the mushrooms help with. So now I know at least where I want to get, get to. You know? I love that because, uh, you know, all the mushrooms are doing all these drugs, whether you're doing cocaine or Xanax or Zoloft or, or whatever, it, all it's doing is unlocking what is already inside. Right. It. Yes. And it's like, I don't know. Sometimes, you know, I don't really perform high or, or I don't really drink or smoke weed much anymore, aside from doing like the little CBD stuff. And during the quarantine, of course, I've been chilling a little bit more, but. Uh, you know, there's times when I'm on stage and I had a, you know, I had the, just the right amount of drinks before a set or just the right puff of weed. And I had an incredible set, you know, I was so locked in, everything was flowing. I was in that state of flow and I don't want to fool myself into thinking, all right, so in order for me to get here, I have to take two puffs of weed and have one glass of whiskey because that you don't want to be like that. So you have to recognize and be like, well, all of this exists in me. Because I clearly did it on stage, so how do we get to that state without any of these influences? You know, right? So, I love that because yeah. I, I mean that level of awareness is huge for, for especially for people listening in. And that the the drugs are just letting you know what the possibilities are that you're yeah. what feelings you're capable of. If if you're taking a drug and you're like this drug calms me, well, it, it that means you yourself have the ability to to calm yourself to to tap yeah. into that and but it's it's your job to uh you know while you're taking a drug to figure out how to do it without the drug so that you know we don't become dependent yeah there was an article about monks in tibet or or people who meditate like these you know hindu i don't even know you know like you know what i'm saying like yo whatever they Whoever they are who like meditate all day, every day, hours a day, they studied the brain functionality of, of one of these monks' brains, and then they studied the brain of somebody who was having an acid trip, and they found that both had the same brain patterns. And one was achieved through just like mindfulness and meditation and going inward. And it, so it, it exists. You can tap into it. You know what I mean? Um, and the drugs just unlock that for you sometimes. But you have to be careful because it, it, it can be a slippery slope. Where are your parents from? My mother is from Brazil. Um, and my father was born in Sicily, but he grew up in Argentina. Uh, he passed away when I was a kid, when I was six. But then my mom remarried my stepdad. And he's born, he was born and raised in New York. Um, Irish, Italian, slash American, you know. So, so what were, I mean... I mean, wow. You talk about two very passionate cultures coming together yeah. um, and very uh, traditional cultures also. Mm-hmm. What, were, what were some of those messages that uh, you received as a youth that uh, you, you realize you, you don't align with? That I don't align with? You know, it's... it's uh... So my mom... She works, she's very giving. 
She gives so much of herself to so many people. She's given so much to people. She's always been a caretaker. She sacrificed so much, sacrificed so much to the point that I feel like she has ignored her own needs and wants. And I'm all about helping people. But I think I get nervous now around, like I'm not trusting as, as much as I, I could be. My mom would just help people. She just helps people because, you know, she's the kind of woman that she'll see a homeless person with no shoes and then she'll go buy them sneakers. You know what I mean? Like right then and there, she'll stop and be like, I'm going to buy this person sneakers or something like that, you know? Um, and that's a great quality, the, the quality to give uh, unconditionally. However, I, I felt like it led to sometimes her being taken advantage of or people not appreciating appreciating what she's done for people, you know? Uh, she always would talk about how, you know, when you're down in the dumps, you know, you'll find out who your real friends are, you know? And I think it, that kind of ingrained in me, like, who can I really trust and who is going to be there for me? And that, that kind of has put a barrier in some of my personal relationships because I don't go full, even in my closest relationships, sometimes I get a little, I don't know, like emotionally blind, you know? with the people who are closest to me. Like even with my girlfriend, I don't express myself. And I get, there's like a little wall up when it, where, where I want to, where if I have somebody that I'm kind of friends with, I can be more, I don't know, open with them. But the minute it starts to get closer and closer, I find this. So I guess I'm at odds with that. You know, when the trust becomes real, are you ready for it? You know, cause I'm worried that people are going to abandon me or let me down or not come through with something, you know? Well, uh, that absolutely makes sense. But I mean, you lost your dad at your dad yeah. passed away at six, you know, and, and and so like that's that's the age where like you you have me you could have memories of that of the of the of, yeah. of the experience and 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 that's painful. Uh, and then you know your stepdad you know comes into the picture and uh, so I mean you not only have you seen your dad pass away, but you're also witnessing your mom uh, bring a, a you know. Uh, Love Another person trust. to the family. Yeah, yeah, bring somebody else into the family, and and that can be confusing, right? Because it's like if you if, yeah. you, if you love this guy unconditionally, how can you love someone else? And can can I then so you, can I question more that can I love more than one person, et cetera, et cetera? Right, and I think one of the things dealing with the death that early, you kind of I heard on in an interview with Judd Apatow, you know, his parents got divorced at like eleven or twelve, and I think the way he described it was. Up until that point, you don't think anything bad can really happen in your life, right? So then, your parents get divorced, somebody dies, life kind of punches you in the face and it's like, no, this can be rough, right? So now you go through the rest of your life with your fists up and you're like, I'm not going to get hurt again, you know? And I think that's the energy that I kind of have sometimes, like, I'll self-sabotage relationship. I'll break up with somebody before they break up with me because I don't want to have to deal with the loss of being rejected, of being abandoned, of, you know, of having my heart broken or something like that. You know, I don't want to deal with it. So I'm going to just preemptively like, you know, but in the end you just hurt yourself. Right. That's what happens. Yeah. I mean that, that fear of loss, the fear of abandonment is so strong. Like, I, I mean, as a kid, and even as an adult, you, they 
part of what we're taught is to be afraid of our neighbors, to be afraid of uh, 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 what's under the bed or in the closet or behind a shower curtain. And the number one fear, uh, people talk about like the fear of uh, performing in front of other people, but it's, it's that fear of abandonment, that fear of loss, that fear that no one is going to be there <clears throat> for you. It's, it's such yeah. a pervasive and a, a lot of actions uh, are dictated by that, that, that mm-hmm. fear, you know. And what's interesting is, you know, from acting, and I don't know if they taught this to you, but when I took acting, they said, we, we're, we're only motivated by two things, love <coughs> and fear. Mm-hmm. 100%. I've heard that for sure. <coughs> so what are, what are some uh, tactics, tools, like when you start to feel that, that, that feeling of abandonment start to surface, so that, that feeling of, of, of loss and, 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 and distrust start to, start to rear its ugly head? Uh, how, what, do you just sit in that? Or, are there things that you're saying to yourself? How are you coping with those emotions? It, yeah, it, I journal, I journal, which helps, um, instead of reacting immediately. Now I try to take some time before I confront somebody because your initial reaction sometimes is like that instinctual reaction. There's no thought or reason behind it. And that could be problematic. So, you know, they say, don't go to sleep angry. Right. But, but also sometimes they say sleep on it and see how you feel in the morning. Right. So they say two things. Right. So sometimes you need to like go through all the emotions and sometimes it's taking a step back and be like, okay, I'm feeling this way. I need to leave the house and go for a walk sometimes. You know what I mean? I'm not getting into situations where I'm, I'm losing it either. Right. But journaling for, for sure is something I do on the regular now. Is there a way that you you journal when when you have these emotions? Are you just like, uh, are you are you starting off with like I feel hurt, or are you just like screw the world? I hate like what what is that? It's is uh, the journaling. The journaling is no structure. It's still hard for me because I'm still in this mode. When I used to journal, it was more like a a log, a diary of what happened. Like today, I did this, this, and this. This is what happened today because I I go back. I look at it as a way to go back on my life. And I, I figured out oh, when I'm older, I'll look at this journal and I'll, I'll know what I had done this day. Um, but now, uh, I'm, I'm opening up more to being like, I feel this way about it. Um, this happened. This is how I feel about it. Uh, just to be honest with myself. Um, and sometimes, yeah, be honest about what I want, what I need, how I feel, uh, not having, so for journaling in, in general, I used to be like, that. this was the structure. This is the day. This is the time I'm writing it. This is what happened today. And that's kind of what it is. Um, and then it doesn't have to be that a, a journal or a, um, a diary or whatever you want, a notebook. It can be, it can be honest. It could be doodles. You could be doodling. You could do, you could do anything in the journal. You know, one comment that I, that I was talking to after a show, he was showing me his notebook and he writes like in all different directions. You know, he doesn't write from left to right. He'll write from the bottom down. He'll do these because he's like, if you get a, if you get a journal with, with lines in it, that's ruled, you know, your mind doesn't work like that. There's not a, a clean sheet of paper in your mind. 
that has lines in it. You know what I'm saying? So when you write on a blank piece of paper, you, you, you got to think of it. Now I have the freedom to go anywhere in this paper, you know? So the journal now, I, I try to allow myself the freedom to completely change, change gears when I'm writing, you know? I love that. Yeah. Cause it, when I take notes, I'm, I'm like filling up all parts of the page. It's, I'm right. doodling on the side. I'm drawing circles around things. Uh, you know, you know shape. One thought leads to a random another thought. Be like, oh, what if I do that joke over there or this thought? You know, and then everything moves around. So you have to have that ability to deal with ambiguity. You know, you, you know, you you talk, you brought up, you know, sleep on it versus, uh, you know, don't go to bed uh, angry. The uh, how do you have a sleep routine? Yeah, I. Uh, I, well, you know, I, I, as far as like, if we go from start to finish, you know, floss, brush my teeth, um, mouthwash, wash my face. Uh, then I lay down and I watch Star Trek for like an hour. <laughs> then I go to bed. That's about it. I watch Star Trek almost every night now. Now, now why Star Trek? Cause on the surface, it makes sense. It's one of those shows that, um, doesn't incite you. It's not like. CSI, a Law and Order, SVU. Uh, right. It's it's like it's enough to keep you entertained, but not enough to uh, make you think about the world and um, you know it doesn't stir, it doesn't stir up the emotions too much. Yeah, I I got into Star Trek last summer. Um, Star Trek Next Generation became available on Netflix, and then I watched one episode, and then. I ended up watching every episode. It's like 275 episodes. They're each 45 minutes long. And I and I watched all these episodes and I was like, this show is fucking incredible. The writing is incredible. And what, what's really nice about the show is that it's episodic. It's not serial like a lot of shows are today. So with, with, with Star Trek Next Generation, every episode gets tied up in a nice bow at the end. You know what I mean? So... You're not left on this cliffhanger, like what's going to happen. It's not this anxiety. It's every episode is self-contained. And right now, I'm watching Star Trek Voyager, which also has you know 200 and some odd episodes. And I, I'm seeing it for the first time, so it's all entertaining to me and fun to watch. And it's I love sci-fi. It's imaginative, um, and it's like a it's kind of like a happy place. You know, you get to know these characters. It's like a good book. You get to know these characters. You 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 like being with them it's a, it's like a safe space i guess it's kind of an odd thing you know but that's that's where it is i'll read that and also it's not and you know i used to read before bed every night but sometimes you read a book and the book is so good you want to keep reading so then you're like up all night or you're anxious because you're like fuck i want to wake up and finish the book you know so star trek is just this nice little self-contained thing it's so it's so lame but i love it I'm for sure a trekking because after this is over, you know, it's coming up deep space nine. Let's go. <laughs> let's go. Cause I haven't watched deep space nine. I am ready. That's hilarious. And, and you know what? It, and I completely understand watching star Trek and because it does have that nice little wrap up at the end, which is why there, there are people who love CSI. Like my right. sister, she loves it. Has a nice little wrap up at the end. Each episode yeah. is, is self-contained. Uh, Whereas I, I'm not a, I'm not I'm not a fan of those because I love uh, the open ended. I, I love like pondering the questions and um, and, and and like, you know, uh, the, the, the reflecting on my life and trying to figure out what directions they can go. But 
I also realize it depends on the lifestyle that you have. If if you're a right. person who's really struggling uh, with anxiety and um, and you've had like a, a long day and a stressful day, it's good to have a show that wraps up at the end. And you can escape um, to, you know, but totally it, unrelated to your yeah. personal life. Yeah. But if you're a guy like Leo Flowers, just kind of meandering through the day, and, <laughs> you know, just hanging out, practicing guitar, you know, recording some podcasts. You're like, I need some life. drama in my life. Yeah, 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 yeah. I need, I need, I need to turn, especially now. Like, I need to turn up right now. Like, I, yeah, I, I need, uh, I need some extra. Uh, I, because I, I'm a huge fan of the old Law and Order episodes. Right. Uh, right. Where almost every episode was, uh, it was wrapped up, but sometimes the bad guy would get off. Mm. And that's what I loved. I was like, ooh, maybe maybe they'll let this uh, serial killer go. They're letting, they're, letting, they're letting him back on the streets? <laughs> yeah. How can they do that? How can you live with yourself knowing that criminal is going to be on the streets? <laughs> I love it because I was like, that's real life. So In real yeah. life, sometimes the bad guy gets off. You know, you know what? Star Trek has episodes like that where it just ends and you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> now, How? yeah, yeah, yeah. How right there. And, and it makes you ain't that could make you anxious, too, because you start looking at the time and like there's no way they're going to wrap this up in two minutes, right, 23 right. seconds. Yeah, right. <laughs> so you, you, you read, you, you watch Star Trek. Those are the things that you, you do and you exercise, you do yoga now, what yeah. what got you into yoga? Why why was yoga uh, the form of exercise that you chose? Oh, because I got I have upper back issues because I play the guitar a lot on stage, and so there's a lot of tension in the muscles around my shoulder blades and shoulders. And last year in March, I had like a really bad muscle spasm, really like incapacitating um, in my neck and in my back. So, you know, I'm 33 now, and my doctor. Was just like I even got X-rays on my spine. I was like, "Is my spine fucked up? Like, what is going on?" Because I was exercising at the gym and I, I was putting on a little bit of weight, but I wasn't stretching properly or enough at all. So eventually, my muscles were like, "Nope," and it keeps com- it would come back. You know, every couple months, I would re I would re hurt myself. So the yoga was like, "All right, your spine is your life, so you need to." Um, keep this healthy. So that's why the stretching every day for about 20 minutes is important. You know, you know, that's the thing is at some point, everybody becomes a personal trainer or doctor because you, your body just starts acting up and you go in and you start learning all these things about your spine and your knee and you're like my ligaments and my cell <laughs> count is kind of low and my yeah. carotid artery. Like you're like, what? Like, <laughs> right, right. The when uh, now uh, going back to your childhood, it, you know, you talked about like losing your father or your father passing away. I hate to say losing, like like you were like in a mall, and like Daddy, where are you? Um, it, it, your father passed away, and it, were there were there other um, uh, other transitions or changes that that took place in your childhood that 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 kind of has you uh, you know worried about the future and looking back at the past. Uh you know, health obviously is an issue for me. Um, my dad died of cancer, of colon cancer. So, but he also was a big smoker and a big drinker. Not like he had a, an issue. I know he gambled a bunch too, but he was like a classic alpha Argentinian guy, like eating a lot of red meat, smoking cigarettes, drinking. You know what I mean? So, health wise, 
it's just put me in a place where like, all right, I got to just do everything in moderation, recognize when I do something that I'm addicted to. Like me personally, I know this is lame, but I love playing video games, online video games. And when I was growing up, I could play for hour, hours would go by. It could be 5 p.m. and all of a sudden it's midnight and I was playing all night. Um, so that was actually an issue for me. I had, to get, I had to get rid of those things in my home, in my place, because I couldn't control myself. Even even to this day, and I know this is so lame, I'll be with my girlfriend and I'll be like, damn, well, I wish I could be like playing around online somewhere. You know, I have this itch to play. It's such a, it's a, it's such a lame thing, but um, health-wise, keeping track of my health, um, and what was the, what was the original question? So like, what are the things that I, like what, what are the things that, that you're, well, I was asking about your childhood. Oh, transition, transitions, right. Your childhood. So, so specifically my mom had to work a lot more and pick up a job or two. So me and my siblings were kind of left to ourselves a lot, you know? And uh, she was under a tremendous amount of pressure and stress because she had three sons. You know, she was a young woman. She was 36, you know. I mean, imagine you're 36, your husband dies, you got three kids, one's six, one's 10, and you have to deal with this, you know. And you just got to, like, it's her thing. Like, for her, it was like she did She. She buried her husband on, you know, like a Wednesday and went to work on a Saturday. You know what I mean? So, um, she just wasn't around a lot. So I think one of the sense of humor, the sense of humor popped up for me. Like we find ways to entertain ourselves, you know? Yeah. Were you the oldest? I'm the youngest. My oldest brother, he's, um, what I'm 33. My oldest brother's 46 now. So he's a bit old. He's a half, he's a uh, different, different father. So I would imagine you felt um, a pressure as a kid then to, like, not, like, get in the way. That's exactly kind of what it is. Because I never was a problem child. Like, I didn't drink in high school. I didn't smoke in high school. Um, I grew up in a very affluent town, but, like, on the side of town that didn't have money, you know? Like, I was sharing a room with two brothers at one point, you know? And I knew people that lived in these tiny McMansions. And this is in New Jersey. Um, so, and it was a lot of times the kids that had a lot of money, like the really wealthy kids that were doing all that shady stuff. Um, you know, my mom would clean houses sometimes. You know what I mean? So I just wasn't in a place where I could, I was like, she's under enough stress. I can't fuck up. You know, I was doing, I was like an honor student, student council. I was playing tennis. I was, I was doing all these things, you know. To, to be a good kid. Um, so uh, there was definitely that pressure to always be not mess up. And I think I've kind of, t- I mean, I think it's a good, good quality to have because going to my, now my personal, like my life now, I'm kind of on top of things, you know, taxes are done on time. Registration for the car is done on time. Like all the lot things in my life that you have to take care of as an adult is taken care of, you know, I'm not one of those people, like, if the power went out, you're like, oh, I forgot to pay the, the electric bill. It's like, no, that's not going to happen. You know, you got to be on top of all the normal adult life shit so you can live your the life you want, you know? Otherwise, you're going to be a mess. So I think that's something I took away from that, you know? Yeah, but but the, then uh, it sounds like then the thing that you, you lost was uh, tending to your own needs. It's like 
you you yeah. were you were taking care of uh, the the you were meeting everybody's expectations, a la being the good kid, and and so you never really had a chance to to listen to what your needs were and, and what your what your uh, what your core beliefs are. Wow, dude, I'm gonna have a lot to talk about in therapy after this. Damn, dude. Damn. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right about that. You know, I think you're absolutely right about that. I didn't think too much on it. I haven't thought about. And then I don't want to be resentful, you know, either. I don't be like, I, you know, my mom, I didn't want to be a bad kid. So I just worked really hard and never let loose or had fun or explored the things I like. Because she really gave me and my brothers the opportunity to do any, anything we wanted if we were into something, you know. She's always been 100% supportive of me and my career. So I guess growing up, I, I, I didn't give myself the opportunity to to get in trouble, to really do some, something reckless, you know? I think there's a certain level of, if you are reckless or you do something crazy, you learn from your mistakes, you know? So I think I've gone through life trying not to make too many mistakes, even in my stand-up too, and my comedy. I could find myself like, I still have that fear, like I don't want to bomb, I don't want to bomb, I want to have a good set. But if you're creative, you have to have those failures in order to know, like if you're not failing, you're not taking risks, you know? So I still have that kind of vibe in me, like this has to be good all the time. Yeah, I'm reading Genghis Khan's book right now, and, and he was talking about, how he, when he was young, I think he was like 19, and he had to make a decision if he wanted to settle in a certain part of Asia where they would always have food and water and, you know, life would be good. And yeah. however, it would, they would always have to be fighting off other clans and other, other groups and other tribes, uh, you know, and, but so they would never be at the top. They would never be at the bottom. It would just be in a space of 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 of, of purgatory, basically. Yeah, uh, where they would have their needs. They met. settled. Yeah, settled. really settled. And he said, "Or I can I can go, you know, over here and go to war for a couple years or weeks or whatever, and be at the top, and then never have to be looking over my shoulder again. Uh, yeah. And if that doesn't work out, I die trying." But uh, I, he was like, I just don't want to be looking over, over my shoulder for the rest of my life. And it took him 20 years. It took him yeah. 20 years to rise to, you know, so it's about 40. It wasn't until he was about 40 that he actually was able to put himself in a situation where uh, he didn't have to look over his shoulders, uh, you know, quote unquote, anymore. Um, right. But <clears throat> that was a, that was a conscious decision he made where he was like, you know, I, I could I could yeah, I could I could. I could settle here. This would be nice, but I, I would always have to be worried about A, B, and C. So yeah. you're like, you know what? Let's go to war right now while I'm young, while I have the energy, <laughs> and let's see what happens. Let's travel. He's like, I want to travel. travel. Yeah, Let yeah. Me travel while I don't have any kids. Right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah. Before before my back goes out and the debt piles yeah. up, let's let's right. run these streets. You know. So, so it sounds like, you know, like that, that's, that's what you did. Like, you know, you were like, man, I, I have to, like your, your risk taking is on stage and, and yeah. being in front of different audiences and, and playing with your set. Like, you know, you, like you said, you were doing stand up and then you're playing guitar and now you're doing stand up guitar 
and it's constantly evolving. We're either right. we're either growing or we're dying. It's it's one or the mm-hmm. other. And um, and so I, I like the direction that you you've taken. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you that you've learned from your therapy, your anxiety from your, on, on your journey that you think would be valuable to other people listening uh, uh, who are struggling with anxiety? I think once you have a name for it, because I didn't even have a name for it. Um, I think just acknowledging that you feel that way. Oh, one of the things that I read in a book, I forget which book I was reading, but you, like if you're up at night and you can't fall asleep because you're anxious, take comfort in the fact that there's at least, you know, a hundred million people around the world who feel the same way at that very moment. You know what I mean? So you're not alone in that, in that feeling. Uh, of feeling anxiety uh, or feeling anxious uh, when you can't sleep at night. Yeah, and, and that's just an example of not being able to fall asleep. But any, anytime you feel anxious, just know that there's an enormous st- statistical number of people who who feel the exact same way. So uh, you are not alone. You know what I mean? Ah, uh, yeah. You, you know, I, <laughs> I, I I try. I'm trying to weave it into a joke where I talk about like if you ever feel alone, just remember. Everybody wipes, you know, it's like we all That's go to right. the bathroom, yeah. we all got a wipe. Like you see Kim Kardashian, she got a wipe. She got, uh, or maybe yeah. she's, maybe she's got a bidet. Who knows? Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, a good example is this quarantine, right? Uh, a lot of people I know are stressed out. You know, they're not working. They're not, they don't have money coming in. This and that, like people are losing their jobs. And it's like, well, take, take solace in the fact that this is unprecedented and, so many of us are going through the same exact thing and you have allies in that. Just, just if you were to go on Facebook today and be like, Hey, I'm really stressed out. I don't have a job. This quarantine, the, I'm sure the majority of people would be like, Hey, sending you good vibes. Like we're all dealing, you know what I mean? We're all going through it together. You know? I so love, that's what I, I, would love, say. I love that. You have allies. That's right. Listeners, you have allies. There are people who are going through what you're going through, who are, Maybe they're not in the same boat as you. Maybe they're not in the same ship, but they're we're all in a yeah. in the same storm. Exactly. So so there are allies. There are people around you who are who are going uh, who are experiencing similar to what you're you're going through. It's not everybody. We all have different experiences, but uh, there's enough people for you to not feel alone and for you uh, to go get help uh, if you need it. Um, Morgan J, I asked this of all my guests last question, because I always imagine that there's one person listening in who may be on the precipice of ending their life. Before you kill yourself, what would you say to them, Morgan? Like before they do it? Yeah. Or before I... Mm. Before they do it. You know... There's just uh, the first thing I thought I was like, there's so many tasty things that you haven't eaten yet that are so delicious. We could go have a meal and have something delicious that we haven't eaten yet. You know, that's what I would say. <laughs> Let's go get some Wendy's chicken nuggets. They're the best. You know, does that, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to laugh because I, I'm trying to think of something meaningful. But that's the first thing I thought. I said, you want to miss out on how good food is? Food is so delicious. You know, let's go get some food together. 
Morgan J, I love that, man. It's so true. It's like, let's go grab some wings because it goes back to it's just that we want to feel connected. We just want to feel a bond. We just want to we just want to eat with somebody. We just want to hold hands. We just want to be best friends. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. To, 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 to narrow it out, I'd be like, I'd ask that person, I'd say to them, what's your favorite food? And then hopefully they'd have an answer and be like, well, then let's go get that because that's the, like, it's so delicious. So let's go have it. You know what I mean? I love that. That's man. what I said. And, and you're so right. Yeah. It's like the one thing I do love about traveling is uh, I get to try different foods and, and, and be surprised at uh, other cultures. And, and maybe they have the same food, but they prepare it differently. And I'm like, what? You could do that with potato? You know, yeah. all, all these uh, different experiences that are just uh, waiting for us right out there. Um, yeah. Morgan J, thank you so much. Plug all your things. Where can people find you? Leo, thank you so much for having me. For those people listening, uh, my website's morganj.com. But right now, I've been building my YouTube and my Instagram. So look me up on Instagram, at morganj. And I do put a live stream show out on my YouTube page now, I think every two weeks or so. I've done two of them. It's been a lot of fun. Like I said, it's been a place for me to grow and have fun. So definitely look me up on YouTube. You can just type in my name on YouTube and I should pop up. Thank you, listeners. Remember, this podcast is not a substitute for you going to get help, for you seeing a therapist, for you going to get some Wendy chicken uh, nugget wings or with some barbecue sauce. Uh, Call the 1-800-SUICIDE number if you need to. If if you know somebody who's struggling with suicide, you call the number for them. You you could call the number and ask them how to to cope and how to help your friend manage. Uh, It's not just for people. Uh, who are thinking about ending your life is for people who who know someone who's thinking about it and and need help, uh, uh, you know, to uh, helping their friend. So go to a counselor, go to a therapist, uh, take a, take a chance, visit a new restaurant, do something different, put on a tuxedo. You know, I, I lost a a friend of mine uh, a couple years ago, maybe maybe it was a year ago, two years ago. And uh, very young, man. He was in his 40s, um, but it was like a stomach issue. He died in his sleep. And uh, he was a comedian. And in one of his last shows, he put on a tuxedo to perform at a bar show. And it was, it, you know, a bar show is like, it's 10 people. Uh, five of them uh, are drinking and, and clanking beers. There's a dude smashing a beer can on his forehead. And, uh, you know, two are making out. So only like really three people are paying attention. Uh, to him and it's a smoke filled bar and all that and he was like and i was like why are you wearing a tuxedo you like we're getting paid like 20 dollars for this show and he's like because i want to wear a tuxedo and i i've i've written that in my calendar to repeat every day wear a tuxedo meaning like just just show up at your highest self when, when you're feeling like your lowest self go you know put on your best uh, everything and and just see how you feel and 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 look in the mirror and 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 remember uh, that this that this little kitten could be a, a wild lion and tiger you know rummaging through the jungle. Um, all right, I got to, I went too far. And <laughs> the point is, uh, get help. Talk to someone. Your story needs to be heard. Uh, and then go to thrivewithleo.com if you want one-on-one coaching with yours truly. Because, you know, there's a reason why I started this podcast. And uh, like I said, we're not all in the same boat, but we are all in the same thunderstorm. So with that said, talk to you later and let's get to tomorrow 
together. Thanks, Morgan. Thank you so much, Leo.